All right, I want, I want to dive into an idea that I, that I first pursued last weekend. Uh, it's a concept that has, has made a huge difference for me. Uh, I came across this concept maybe 20 years ago or so at least, and, uh, and every time I return to it, uh, I'm always, uh, uh, my faith is built one more time for what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives. And I want to talk about us being the royal priesthood. Uh, we're, and what's bringing us to this is we're journeying through uh, the book of Hebrews, and uh, we're now at Hebrews chapter 7, and it gives an opportunity for us to take a few moments and pause and get a hold of an idea that I think is so powerful. I'm going to take a few moments uh, to review the idea. I started it last week, and um, sometimes I, I try to decide whether I should review very much or whether I should just plow on. And I think now more than ever, uh, the concept of review is important. One is because people don't come to church every week anymore like they used to. Amen. Now, that's probably not true of you, but, uh, but uh, so, so that's, it's probably a, a decent chance that you are new here today or that you weren't here last week uh, or that you were here last week and just a little bit of review could help us kind of drill down and nail down this idea. So uh, I want to start with uh, Hebrews chapter 6, uh, the last verse, and kind of let it uh, lead us into Hebrews 7 and talk about this idea for a few moments today. Hebrews 6 verse 20 Jesus has entered uh, the heavenly realms as a forerunner for us having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek everybody say Melchizedek for this Melchizedek who is king of Salem and priest of the most high God met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed Abraham to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth part of all the spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness, and also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Uh, drop down to verse 11, Hebrews 7. If perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek? Everybody say Melchizedek. And not be designated according to the order of Aaron. For when the priesthood is changed of necessity, there takes place a change of law also. So this guy Melchizedek was, uh, was, was a foreshadowing of Jesus. And he was a king and a priest. And, and the whole book of Hebrews is, is teaching us this idea that, that we are now in a, a new covenant that is different from and better than the old covenant. The old covenant we would find in the Old Testament. You would even actually find a pre-old covenant, like before the law, uh, in the Old Testament as well. But Hebrews is pointing us to the fact that Jesus is the high priest of this new covenant. He is the one that, that stands in the gap between us and God. The model of priesthood for the old covenant was the Levitical priesthood. And um, um, 
Justin did such a great job talking about that this morning where it used to be sacrifices and used to be what you did would earn you approval with God. But the model of priesthood for the new covenant is this guy named Melchizedek. Melchizedek gets introduced to us in Genesis chapter 14, which is actually a a story that took place before the law was even given. And I just want us to look at that story for a second. Uh, Genesis 14, verse 18, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now, uh, Abraham had just won a battle, and he's, he's leaving the victory of this battle. And this guy, Melchizedek, comes out, brings out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High. He was a priest of uh, the God who owns heaven and earth. So he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. So God is the possessor of heaven, but God is also the possessor, possessor of earth. Blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave him a tenth of all. So this, this Melchizedek guy is a king priest. He is the king of Salem. He has authority over a certain portion of land. He doesn't have authority over every place, but he has an authority over his place and a portion sphere of authority. And the Bible says that he is a priest of the most high God. The Hebrew word that's translated uh, into most high God is this idea of El Elyon, which is God who is the possessor of heaven, but also the God who is the possessor of earth. So I really came across this idea a couple of uh, years ago, a couple of decades ago, reading this verse, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, when it says this, you and I, we are a chosen race, we are a royal priesthood. So we, we, are, we are regular priests in the order of the priesthood that Jesus is the high priest of. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that we could proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So you and I, we are royal priests. We are, we are priests with king authority. We are kings with priestly privilege. Jesus is the high priest of this priesthood of which we are the regular priest. We are a kingdom of priests. That that is what God has called us to. We all have access to God through Jesus. And where I want to kind of drill down for us and get us to to own this idea is that we, we release God's rightful authority over the earth with our priestly activity so that we understand that the real battle for for heaven and earth is a spiritual battle that is that is being waged in a spiritual realm and that when when we are engaged in the priestly activity of worship that worship carries and releases authority when, when we are engaged in the priestly activity of prayer, that prayer carries authority. So it's not just about me and Jesus. Uh, that's a beautiful thing to have. 
But it's also about understanding that, that uh, the Bible teaches us, Psalm 89, the heavens are yours, but the earth also is yours. The world and all, everybody say all, all it contains, you have founded them, and Psalm 24 gives us the same idea, the earth is the Lord's, and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. So the Bible is very clear in telling us not only is, is our relationship with God about our connection to heaven, there is a connection through us where heaven gets into the earth, where God's authority over the earth is released through our lives. So heaven is the Lord's, but the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. So where I, where I want us to, to land in our, our thinking about this whole idea is to recognize that God possesses heaven and earth, and he's chosen for you, and he's chosen for me a, a place on the planet and a lane for us to walk in. He's, he's given us something to do and something to be in the earth. And I don't know if maybe you could be looking for what's my spot, what's my place, what's my lane, what, what belongs to me, and you're going to take possession of that by engaging in the priestly activity of worship and prayer, by worship. So when we are worshiping God together, when you are worshiping God at your house, it is not just about you and God. When you are, when you are engaged in the priestly activity of worship, you're releasing the authority of God into your earth. When, when we pray, we are releasing the authority of God into your earth. And you know, because if, if you don't understand that the real battle is a spiritual battle, you're always fighting your battles on the wrong playing field, on the wrong battlefield. And it's understanding that worship is not just a, a feel-good situation, but it releases God's authority into the earth. So I'm looking at a couple of, of verses or passages that talk about what are the characteristics of all of this. And uh, we're in Psalm 110, and that's where I want to pick up today. Psalm 110, verse 1, the Lord says to my Lord, God says to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power in holy array from the womb of the dawn, your youth or your offspring are to you as the dew. Verse 4, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Everybody say Melchizedek. So, so for us to walk in this uh, royal priesthood idea, uh, it's the mindset that I see in this passage of Scripture, I think, helps position us for God to do everything he wants to do in and through our life. So the first thing we talked about is that we need a revelation of God's greatness. Uh, Psalm 110 verse 1, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. 
And I'm just here to remind you because it's easy to forget in the daily of life. It's easy to forget when you're going through stuff that we are involved in an enterprise that cannot fail. We, we, are, we are putting our lives into God's great church, which is his gate to release himself into the earth. And we've got to continually remember that no matter what the news is telling us, no matter what reports you get when you scroll through your Facebook feed, I just want you to know that God is ultimately going to make everything and everyone bow their knee to the lordship of Jesus. Every knee is going to bow. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want us to come across in this sort of this mean, condescending way. But that's where it's all headed. First Corinthians 15, verse 24, gives us this idea. Then comes the end when he delivers up the kingdom to the God and Father. When he has abolished all rule, all authority, all power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And it's just, I think, getting this revelation that. God has sovereign rule over all of history. He's ultimately in charge over all history. Doesn't matter if there's a Republican in office as president. Doesn't matter if there's a Democrat in office. It doesn't matter if there are terrorists on the loose. God is ultimately in charge of all of human history. The second idea is to remember that we are indispensable to his plan. So verse 2 says, The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion. The scepter of the king was to designate what the king wanted. It was the release of his authority. And God extends his authority in the earth through us. I can't express to you how important this idea is. Whatever God wants to do in the earth, he looks for a man. He looks for a woman that will catch his vision and start to step into it and start to live it out. Without him, we cannot do his will in the earth. But without us, he will not do his will in the earth. Whatever God is putting on your heart, Whatever is a burden to you, whatever bothers you, whatever is in your soul, can I just tell you, God wants to use you to extend his kingdom into the earth. And wherever you find yourself, whether it's at school or in a work situation or in a family situation or in friendships or wherever you find yourself in life, I want you to know God wants to pour his kingdom through you. The third idea, and this is all review, so I apologize to some of you, but, uh, but I like going through it again anyway. A ru- but we need to have a royal priesthood has a ruling mentality. So Psalm 110 verse 2 says, the Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. And I think we all need to learn how to rule in the midst of our enemies if we're waiting for all the enemies to go away, we're going to be, we're on the wrong planet. <laughs> you're, in the, you're in the wrong spot. You're, there's always going to be enemies, giants, obstacles, walls. And to learn to carry a victorious 
spirit in the midst of difficult situations is so valuable. So no matter what you are in the midst of, you got to keep worshiping God. Matter of fact, that's the time you need to worship God the most. <laughs> that's the time you need to engage the most. You got, you got to keep praying, you got to keep serving, you got to keep giving, you got to stay in church. Don't let a disappointment push you out of church. You got to learn to rule in the midst of your enemies. All right, let me go through a couple of more ideas that I see here in Psalm 110. Number four is this. A royal priesthood there has a willingness to be used by God. A willingness to be used by God. So Psalm 110 verse 3 says, Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. God's army is a volunteer army. And this verse uh, was was a game changer for me because... I realize that God's people, here's how you can tell, I think, when someone is really given their life to Christ and they're born again. There's something within them that goes, God, what do you want to do with me? What, what, What am I supposed to do for you? I'm not trying to do to earn God's approval but, uh, but there's something in me that says, God, what do you want me to do? God uses people who are willing to be used. And there are people who are not willing to be used. Many of them, they're not in church at all, but there are a handful of people that are even in church, that are unwilling to allow God to use them. My early years of ministry, uh, I spent a lot of time dragging rocks. Uh, You know, propping people up who couldn't and wouldn't prop themselves up, babysitting, spoon-feeding, and trying, trying to help people who didn't actually want help. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Trying, trying to get people to change who didn't actually want to change. Uh, and it didn't take me too many years to realize that rocks don't move unless they're being pushed or pulled. So if I had to spend my entire life pushing rocks, pulling rocks, I, I was going to be a, a tired man pretty early on. And when I begin to realize that God's people volunteer freely in the day of his power, it changed everything. Because my attention turned away from the, the rocks that needed to be pushed and pulled to the people who wanted 
to do God's will. The people who wanted to serve God, the people who wanted their life to make a difference. I realized I, I, couldn't, I couldn't start the fire in somebody's heart. That was the Holy Spirit's job. But I could feed that fire. So I started looking for people who had a fire in their heart to serve the purpose of God and did my best to feed that fire. God's people volunteer freely. They, God's people come to church because they love God. They, they want to be in church. They don't have to be guilted or shamed into being in church. I think a lot of guilt-motivated, shame-motivated preaching and teaching comes from people who don't understand this idea. You can't do anything with the unwilling, and if you spend your whole life trying to get the unwilling to be willing, you're going to be dragging rocks your whole life. But there's something about that there are, there are people that they, they pray because they want to pray. They give because they want to give. They don't, want, they, don't have to be, they don't have to be pushed into giving. They love to give. They serve because they want to serve. They worship because they want to worship. God's people volunteer freely. And I just want to say to you, you might be wondering, you know, where's my lane? What does God want to do? Just the fact that you care, you're in the right place. You know, there's the fact that there's something in you that says, I just, I want, I want to do something. I want my life to count. I don't want to just be a, a knot on a log. I don't want to be a, a rock in a seat. I, I, I want to do something for the glory of God. You you can't, and I just want to set you free. Uh, now, I know you might be thinking, oh, if you only knew my teenager. Uh, but I just want you to know that you really can't do anything with the unwilling, but God can use, in a mighty way, the willing. The, the fifth idea that I see that is a characteristic of, of this royal priesthood is that we lean in to the power of God. We lean in to the power of God. So Psalm 110 verse 3 again says, your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. Everybody say power. The day of your power. 1 Corinthians 4 tells us this, the kingdom of God doesn't just consist in words, but in power. And I, I, I want to keep us alive to this idea that our God is not just a nice guy. Our God is a powerful God. He, his kingdom is a kingdom of power. And to have this hunger and this desire that says, I am never going to settle for anything less than the manifestation of God's kingdom with power. Just believe in God for his power to be released in our world, in our church, in our city. Come on, you, you, there's only so far strategy can take you. 
There's only so far your cleverness can take you. There's only so far your own strength can take you. But somewhere, there's got to be factored in to the way that we live our life, God can move powerfully in my world. We're leaning into this. We're going to volunteer freely in the day of his power. I remember one time uh, years ago, Suzette and I were in Australia, and I had ministered at a church in the morning, in the afternoon, we were walking through this kind of open uh, shopping area, and the girl picked up uh, in a conversation as we chatted with her, she's working in a store that we weren't from Australia. And uh, she says, oh, what are you doing here? And so, you know, I told her, I said, well, I'm here to actually speak at a church. I was actually at church this morning. And, and her, she goes, well, that must have been peaceful. And I said, well, it was peaceful, but it was a lot more than that. It wasn't just peaceful. It was powerful. It was energizing. It was encouraging. It was uplifting. It, it, it fed something in me that believed tomorrow could be a better day, a greater day. And, and I, just, I just want us to... To, you know, you may have been waiting for, you know, a year, five years, ten years, however long you've been waiting, but I just don't ever want us to lose the fact we can never settle for anything less than a supernatural church, right? Miracles are never that far away. I remember a prayer meeting we were having one time, and I'm praying, and sometimes when we're praying, it can seem like heaven is so far away. And I, I just had this picture of us uh, reaching for heaven, hands in the air, and that the, the, it, the membrane, if you will, that was separating heaven and earth wasn't way up in the sky that I couldn't get to it. It was just, it was within my reach. I could reach, for, I had to reach but it have, I, I could reach for it. And in my, in my vision, if you will, in this picture that I saw in this prayer meeting, I am, I am reaching for heaven and busting a hole in this membrane that separates heaven and earth. And heaven was just pouring over me. And I saw this picture of the church as a bowl that God would fill with heaven and would pour out into the streets of the city. Come on, that's a great picture to have to live by. And, and when, when, when we're worshiping and when we're praying, you never know what one day could bring. Many times in the Bible, you just, you see this, suddenly there was the sound. They'd been seeking God for days and days and days, but suddenly there was a sound. One day. I met a friend this past week. He was telling me the story of his church and some of the struggles their church had gone through for many years until one of the guys in church just showed up one day with a handwritten personal check for four and a half million dollars to pay off the church. One day. One day they were struggling in debt. The next day they were completely out of debt. Come on. You never know what one 
day, what one moment, what one suddenly can do. Don't ever lose that as you pray. Don't ever lose that sense of God can do incredible things as you worship. In a day, the power of God can heal you. In a day, the power of God can change anything and everything. Come on, this kingdom isn't just a bunch of words. It's a kingdom of power. Somebody say amen. The next idea is this, number six, is that the royal priesthood is a people who recognize they are set apart for God's glory. Set apart for God's glory. So verse three, again, says, your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power in holy array. And the word holy uh, in the Bible is a word that literally could be translated separated. When we talk about holiness, sometimes I think we, uh, we put it in the realm of behavior. Holiness is perfection in rule keeping. And, and I, think, I think a sense of, of I'm separated unto the Lord will certainly keep us in a place of, of the right kind of behavior. But it's not just about behavior. I'm not just separated from sin. I'm not just separated to behave differently. I'm actually separated unto the Lord. And to recognize, I think this is an aspect of the royal priesthood, is that there's a recognition. I am, I am God has taken my life and he has taken me and separated me to be used for his glory. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not playing by the fence of compromise anymore because I've been separated I'm not trying to see what can I get away with and still be a Christian because I'm separated. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to see uh, how much compromise can come into my life. I'm just getting, I'm separated, so I'm getting all the way in. And, and it's, it's not this idea of your perfect behavior somehow earns you God's approval because the idea is this, is that there's something about people that have given their heart to Christ, that they're not perfect, they know they're not perfect, but there's something in their inner man that says, I love the truth. No matter how much the truth hurts, no matter how much the truth goes against the grain uh, of even what I'm thinking, I, if, when I get a revelation of, of truth, I'm immediately saying, God, I want to engage with that. I want to walk in that. I want to know that. I want to experience that. I know I'm not perfect, but what I love is obeying God. What I love is doing the will of God. It's this idea that we are set apart for his glory. We don't just go to church. We are separated for the glory of God. Set apart for God's use. Set apart for God's glory. So because of that, there's places I don't go. Not not because God would be mad at me, but because I'm separated for the glory of God. There's things I don't watch because I've been separated. 
for the glory of God. Hey, there's people I don't hang around. Because <laughs> I've been separated. Am I preaching this okay? Because I've been separated for the glory of God. <laughs> there's, there's just stuff I don't do. I'm not trying to earn God's approval. I just understand. He took a, a broken young man, put his hand on my life, and said, I'm, I'm taking you out of the kingdom of darkness, and I'm separating you into the kingdom of light, and I want to do something with you. You're set apart. So, so I'm, we're just, I believe this royal priesthood is in pursuit of living a life for the glory of God. We want church to be great for the glory of God. We, we, want, we want people living in beautiful, magnificent, excellent marriages. They're not perfect, but they have the touch of the love of heaven. It's for the glory of God. We want businesses to prosper for the glory of God. We want to raise the roof in worship. It's for the glory of God. Separated for the glory of God. Used for the glory of God. And then the last idea that I see that is a characteristic of this royal priesthood is that they are born again. So verse 3 says this, Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power in holy array from the womb of the dawn. Your youth, or the word could be translated, your offspring are to you as the dew. When a person becomes born again, it's more than just, uh, I'm going to turn over a new leaf and try to be a nice guy. The nature of God gets implanted within that person who has opened their heart to Christ. And 1 John tells us this, 1 John 3 verse 9, no one who is born of God practices sin. It doesn't mean that they're flawless from sin, but their heart doesn't want to because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. And then one more verse is 1 John 5, verse 4. It says, whatever or whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So I just want to say this. However you were born the first time, whatever you were born into the first time does not have to define the rest of your life. Because you might have been born into dysfunction. You might have been born into poverty. You might have been born into slackered. You might have been born into defeat but when you get born again the nature of God the Bible tells us is implanted inside of you you are a new 
creation. You, you, are, you are brand new. It, your past is not having to tell you about yourself. God's Word is telling you about yourself. But you're born again with a seed of God's greatness planted inside of you. I want to pray today. I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes. Come on, you are a royal priest with authority given from heaven for your place on the planet. Maybe you're here today, and the truth is you've never actually surrendered your life to Jesus. I would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here today, and you could look back to a, a moment in time where you were far more passionate, far more engaged, and things have come in between you and your relationship with God. And I want to pray that we return to that great place, that amazing place, that life-giving place. Maybe you feel unsure about where you stand. And I just want to take a moment, maybe the most important moment in someone's life, right this moment. You've never given your life to Jesus. This would be a great moment to do that. You've fallen away. It's time to come home. You feel unsure about where you stand. And you just say, Pastor, pray with me. If any of those describe you, you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand real high and say, that's me. I need to surrender to Christ. I need to come back to Christ. I want to be sure I'm right with Him. Is there anybody in this room that says, I just want to be sure I'm in that place. God bless you. God bless you. I just, I just want to be sure. This is not a moment of shame. This is a moment of invitation. This is a moment of step in to the love of God. Step in to the care of God. Is there anybody else? I want to pray together. This is for those who lifted their hand, but can we all pray this together? Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I've fallen short of what you want. But I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning as I surrender to Jesus as my Lord. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen. Thank you.